Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restriction supply promotions may vary. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Len, they want to have him in the movie! Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sarge. Oh, he's disabled. I'm his carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip-hop anymore. Hey and welcome to The Curb. My name's Andrew Pierce, and this is a podcast that's all about culture from all around the world. This podcast is proudly recorded on the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and the pay respects to their elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode, it's another interview for a film that is going to be screening via the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. It is Keyboard Fantasies, the Beverly Glenn Copeland story. And I talk with the director, Posey Dixon, about this film and the path on how she came about in discovering Glenn Copeland's music and Glenn as a person. I absolutely adore this film. Uh, I have a a list of the the five films that you must watch at the festival that will be going up very shortly and I highly recommend watching this one. It is number one with the bullet. It's my favourite film that I've seen in the festival. I just found it absolutely wonderful and joyous and brilliant to to sit with and to watch and engage and and appreciate Glenn Copeland's story and life and the history of Glenn Copeland. Um, This is just a really, really beautiful film. But also a film that shows the path from tragedy and uh, you know intergenerational traumas and how somebody can reflect on that and the struggles of their ancestors and improve and live a life that honours the the loss that they suffered to allow somebody like Glenn to exist in today's world. Uh, I just found it really wonderful and beautiful and. Throughout the film, there are some moments where people talk to Glenn about Glenn's music and and say, without your music, I might not be here. And that's a really powerful thing to hear. But also when you do listen to Glenn's music, as I've done in, I did in preparation uh, for this interview, and I have done since, listen to Keyboard Fantasies and, and other albums by Glenn, I just find it really powerful and really beautiful. And it's helped give me an ease and a calm at a point where I need that kind of ease and calm in my life, as many of us do. And whether it is music like Glenn's music or whatever else, there is that kind of strength and power that music instills in all of us. It can have a transformational feeling to us and and set us onto a path of feeling better and more positive and at ease and... That's really an overwhelming thing about music that we kind of forget. And Keyboard Fantasies reminds reminds us of that. It reminds us of the artist behind the music. 
I adore this film completely, and I hope that you do too. It's only just over 60 minutes long, and it's worthwhile watching. We're going to listen to a bit of the trailer, and I will stick a link to the trailer in the show notes as well, because with this particular trailer, the audio reflects what the audio of the film is like, but the visuals in tune also reflect the film too, because it is a very visual film. There are some beautiful interstitial moments which reflect the, the vibe and the mood of the music, and of Glenn himself too. So please watch that as well. And most importantly, seek out this film. I highly recommend it. It's going to be screening via the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival from the 30th of June through to midway through July. mdff.org.au $8 will get you one film. Uh, all the way up to $100 will get you the entire festival. It's pretty worthwhile. There's a lot of great films that are screening. And yeah, let's listen to the trailer and be back with the interview with Posey. Can I just go out on there, on stage? Or do we have to wait? Oh my god, there's a lot of people here. I mean, I'd never heard music like that before. Perfection, really. I mean, it's perfect. McGill University. You just weren't accepted. If you were out, you had to be so careful, especially if you were black or a person of color. You know, my memories of Beverly are her voice. She sang inside, but with an outside voice. That's your part. Yeah, totally. I was like, wait a second, Glenn. Glenn bending notes? Wait, wait. What's oh, yeah, happening? I, no I bend notes all the time. I just, not, not in my classical tradition. So, yeah, Keyboard Fantasies is a beautiful film. I sat there and I watched it at home and I just loved it. And I kind of wept a little bit at the end because I didn't know about the album to start off with. I didn't know about this music. I didn't know anything about uh, some of the history associated with Canada in this particular film. Um, so I want to first of all say thank you for that because, uh, you know, I didn't know about that. And that's what I love about movies <laughs> is that we get to learn histories that we were unfamiliar with. Um, so I'm curious for you, how you came to this album and how you came to Glenn's story as a musician. Um, I guess. So the, I, I think that record started kind of like doing the rounds on, you know, like small grassroots radio stations and stuff a couple of years ago when it first got reissued onto vinyl. And I think, uh, my my a friend of mine in our studio played it and I heard it on our local radio station, like our local grassroots radio station, NTS. 
And I remember like hearing it the first time and just being, I think it was Sunset Village and just being like, whoa, what is that voice, you know? And it's really funny because even like right instinctively then, it was very much the, the vocal. And I can remember thinking like this vocal, like, you know, it was like playing in the background. But I was like, what is this? I This person sounds so like familiar, but also so completely undefinable, you know, and just wanting to search out more music. Um, and then, so yeah, so that kind of led me down a kind of, a Google wormhole of Beverly Glen Copeland, which is something that happens to me a lot. I wormhole quite a lot. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I was doing, we, I was, we were working on another project about music at the time, which is more of a like holistic project. And I, and I'd finally found some video recordings of Glenn talking at a Red Bull music Academy event in Montreal and tracked him down then on Facebook and sent him a message, um, and just said, you know, I'm like super interested in what you talked about in that interview. I'm really interested. Like your music has just touched me hugely. Would you would you be up for talking? Because I'd love to do some kind of like I, at the time I thought I was going to talk to him about this other project we we're working on, you know, but I just wanted to connect. So, yeah, long story short, basically the music led to a Internet wormhole, which led to a Facebook friendship, which then led to a very long Skype friendship. So. A kind of, yeah, like a long internet friending is what I would say. <laughs> well, that's kind of how Glenn was rediscovered in a way. I, I would understand because of the this rare record collector in Japan who just kind of, I don't know how they knew about keyboard fantasies, but that kind of uh, reemergence of Glenn's work has just been uh, really powerful and beautiful in, in the way that the internet works in a positive way, in a in a beneficial way, especially for uh, the LGBTIQ community who we see in the film, you know, just loving Glenn's presence. Um, and certainly the time that we spend with Glenn, I was just so honored to be able to listen to him talk. And he's such a kind person. And I imagine that spending time with him, you just feel richer and, and better for it. So what was the process like filming him as he went along uh, in these journeys of, of talking and also the concerts as well. Yeah, I mean, I think like you say, Glenn's, Glenn is a, a very devoted practicing Buddhist and spending time with him, I think, you know, from the first time we ever spoke on Skype, I think we were on the phone for like two and a half hours or something. And I remember it had been like a pretty shitty week and I'd been in my studio and it was like late on a Friday and I can remember hanging up, hanging up, and my studio mate from like across the room was like, "Who were you talking to? That just sounded like the most." She's like, "You're grinning from ear to ear, you know." And I think that yeah, his presence when he speaks to you is just uncanny. Um, and so spending time with somebody like that is just like a deeply enriching thing, you know. Um, it's funny what you say about the internet because one of the things that we were think I was thinking about a lot when I first met Glenn was this idea that music has always been something that's kind of bonded groups of humans together you know like from the beginning of our species it's one of our earliest forms of of communication and of social bonding and we now live in this world where we are all interconnected via the internet which is causing a lot of problems and often a lot of the culture that comes out of that is associated in a negative way. But one of the really beautiful things that's happening still with music 
and the internet is it's still like connecting groups of people together just like it always has done you know so I think that that it's something that kind of bubbled up in the making is is how this film started to get made in a way was this idea of like looking how connectivity can happen in these different ways and connecting with Glenn I had like two years I think of talking to him online or maybe a whole year before I went out and met him and that time was as important as the time I met and filmed with him you know like we actually because the film was made on such a shoestring like we only had I don't know like 10 shooting days or you know over 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 a year you know like it was very little time I spent I spent like a week in Canada with him and the young and the band when I first met them but we were still only shooting for like three days and then they were in Europe for maybe you know we had like seven days together it's like nothing but all the time I spent talking with him in the build-up to that was just as important as mm. the time shooting you know yeah yeah um yeah well, it feels like a lifetime. Like, it feels like a yeah. lifetime that you're covering. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. over. Yeah. And it was done over a week because the film was was um, very generously crowdfunded. And then we won a film fund. So it never had a commissioner and no one ever wanted us to make it. No one ever paid for it. So we didn't have a deadline. And so we made it over. For, I mean, for a feature, it was made actually like remarkably quickly. But it was made in this like slow ambling way, you know, we'd like shoot and then we'd cut and then we'd shoot and then we'd cut. And then I could think about it for like four months before we had enough money to go and do something again. So I think maybe that's that's part of how it feels bigger than that actual amount of time that we had shooting. Well, yeah, it does. And in that regard, that kind of answers the next question I was going to ask about your creative process, because the 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 way that this is edited and the way that you use interstitial imagery to reflect Glenn's life and Glenn's music really amplifies the music so brilliantly and Glenn's story so perfectly. Uh, I'm curious about some of the archival footage in particular. There's some um, alarming footage of uh, electrotherapy and things like that that are in there. I'm curious about the decisions that you went around making uh to put those in the film and uh, how you went about sourcing those particular imagery as well, because um, they really, I think in a shorthand way, uh, really hit home the brutality of what was occurring in the sixties and seventies and certainly carrying on uh, long from then. But in the the time that you're focused, uh, you know, it really hits home the the harshness of what was occurring to people in that era. Uh, So yeah. How did you decide to go about that? Well, we had, I mean, one of the biggest challenges with making this film was that there was very, very little archive, like direct archive around Glenn's history. Um, You know, we literally had a handful of, a handful of images. So I, we know we made a, I had from the very initial start, I'd wanted the first half of of the film to be this kind of like tapestry of, of his story and the, it's to kind of visually represent the time um but when it came to actually sourcing that footage well I guess there was a lot of it it took a lot of time (laughs) and it was really important to me that every single bit of imagery we used was authentically connected in some way to Glenn's story so that it was from the right era you know because you could go really wrong by 
putting images that you think are the right images to represent something without properly researching the history. So I spent a lot of time like talking to archivists and, and talking to historians and finding like the generosity of people you find on Facebook of that generation, you know, like people that represented the LGBTQI community in Canada in the sixties who didn't know Glenn, but were in the city at the time, you know? So it was through their leadings that we then sourced the imagery to represent the stories that they were telling us, if that makes sense. And then the imagery, the, the stuff itself, like we were, we were so, so limited by, by finances, you know? So it's everything, we, it really narrows down what you can use. But there's still a vast amount of material out there on like Prelinger Archives and the internetarchives.org that, that's usable, you know? Mm. for a bit of money yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah but it, all of this colors how um you know on a shoestring budget and a, on a limited budget you are able to actually create something uh grander and, and greater than the budget allows and that's the kind of ingenuity which i it really impresses me because it's a your filmmaking and your directing and your editing uh really feeds into Glenn's story in a lot of ways and it reflects is this is not just a, a talking heads film about you know here's how I started as a musician and here I am now kind of thing this is a really intimate reflection of who Glenn is as a person and I I think that's a rarity in these kinds of films and that's why maybe I was moved so much because it is such a tender and gentle reflection of Glenn as a person and to the point where there's a beautiful moment where Glenn's standing on stage and they're doing a sound check and he's like no no this is the kind of level that i need to be at and this is how i need you to and he's such a gentle and kind person in the way that he's like telling somebody that they're doing something wrong but it's a very helpful way he feels like he's helping you and the film to me at least carries across that mentality that vitality um so i'm curious there's no real question here but i guess as a filmmaker how important is that for you to reflect uh, your subject story in the way that you make the film like it's it's literally the most important thing to me I think that there's one thing that I've had you know I this is my first feature film and obviously like coming with that comes a huge amount of like self-doubt when you're making the film you know like I went through so many existential crises about whether I'd, you know, what I was doing and if it was writing, yada, yada, yada. And I had a couple of like feedback sessions with some other filmmakers who I hugely respect, but some people were really saying to me, you know, like, where's the twist and you need to like drop this here. And they were kind of talking all these conventions of storytelling, which they felt I hadn't necessarily paid the the time to that I should have you know or that could enhance the drama of the film or that could like you know like create these kind of payoff moments and blah 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 and even though I'm not saying I completely neglect all those conventions like they're definitely part of the way that we edit the film but I think that I didn't feel the need to be sensationalist in any way and I was so determined not to be because Glenn is so unsensationalist about the way he tells the story, you know, and you can see it in the interview. He'll, he'll tell like something which is like a, such a traumatic piece of history. And then he just kind of like, he like laughs and it, it's not in a way that's, that's belittling anything that's happened, but it gives you this idea that he's so at peace with what's happened. And it was really important to me 
to find the balance of getting that across and to be able to make something that didn't shy away from talking about the brutality of the time that Glenn was living through and the existence that he lived through as a black lesbian woman in the 60s in Canada. But also I didn't want to, you know, hammer in hard so that that then took away from the fact that Glenn has sort of come to peace with what he went through and has this incredible, like, empathetic understanding of why he was treated the way he was by certain people, you know? So, yeah, to, like, to me, that's, that's the most important thing of anything, and it's something I really try and uphold in all the work I do, is not, is not, is always prioritising the kind of, I mean, nothing is an authentic representation of a character, but prioritising that as a goal, as opposed to, the goal of traditional storytelling tropes. The passing of a baton in some ways that Glenn goes through in his recognition of the of his ancestors' journey uh, through the slave ships and things like that and the, the countless lives lost, which is just horrid, uh, and then his understanding of the pain that they've gone through to allow him to live his life. And there's kind of this feeling that the LGBTIQ community that he talks with that sees him as an elder, uh, there is kind of this this passing of a baton to them from him in the sense that they recognise the pain and the difficulties that the elders went through uh, to help make uh, queer rights around the world um, a, a reality, I guess. I was just curious about how you went about shooting that and the kind of, if you had to discuss with the, the other subjects about uh, what you were doing as a filmmaker in those moments and how important it is to show those moments. Yeah, well. I mean, I think one of the one of the big themes that was, um, that led the film right from the very beginning was this idea of elders. Um, that was like one of the, one of the kind of right from the very, very start when I first started talking to Glenn, I was like, he's, and he uses the term as well. He's like, I'm an elder, you know, the, your generation and the younger generation need elders. And this kind of, through talking to him, this idea of intergenerational exchange became super important to me. And it still resonates really hard with me as something I think that we're like missing a trick on here, you know, because I feel like so many of the, so many of the artists and activists and people that kind of paved the way for the lives that we live now are are in their 70s and 80s now and their histories haven't all been recorded the way that our histories now like my generation every minute of our lives is is recorded digitally and photographed and filmed and blah 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 blah, blah. but that whole generation who have been so vital to the liberties that we enjoy and the and the battles that everyone is still fighting now for sure you know but their 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 histories haven't been recorded and they're not going to be around for that much longer you know so it's like opening up those avenues is so important to me so it was yeah you're right i'm i'm glad you've obviously pulled that up as a big you know it's a big important theme insofar as insofar as filming when that scene at the end of the film when the when glenn's having this kind of beautiful conversation with a with a group of of youngers it's rather one of the people in the group says to glenn thank you for being a, a queer elder because i'm missing my queer elders and we never we we kind of were, we were filming that scene um in the background you know we we asked permission to be there and explained what we were doing but there was no direction from my side at all we were just filming that conversation in a verite style 
And when that person kind of said that line, obviously that's, you know, as a filmmaker, when something that's a big theme to you and really important just comes out without being directed or instigated, it's it's obviously what, like one of the most rewarding things that can happen in documentary, I think. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a like very special moment. And that per- it was really incredible because that person got in touch um, after the film came out and they hadn't seen it, but they got in touch and said, you know, Glenn touched me so much at that at that meeting would it be possible to send me a copy of the film and I was like of course and I was like actually I'd just been thinking about you the, the couple of nights beforehand and thinking I wish I had that person's name so I could send them the film because you actually play this like huge role in it <laughs> so yeah it was very 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 sweet and very moving so that is director Posey Dixon talking about her documentary, Keyboard Fantasies, The Beverly Glen Copeland Story. It's going to be screening via Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, mdff.org.au, from the 30th of June through to midway through July. I highly recommend doing that. $8 for one film, as I mentioned at the top, $100 for the entire festival. The rest of the details are on the website. I love this film. I think you will too. Uh, and I'm, the music that you're hearing underneath this is the music of Glenn Copeland. And I hope that you enjoy this kind of music, this this vibe. Uh, and if not, I hope you appreciate the legacy of somebody who creates this kind of music and the importance that this kind of music has on people who find this easing and calming of their mind. It's quite important. It's quite valuable for a lot of people, just like uh, death metal music is or prog rock or you know there's all kinds of different music and it might ease our mind in different ways for me this hits the right spot i love it love it a lot um yeah so that's me head over to thecurb.com.au to listen to other interviews for filmmakers i've done uh, with the the melbourne documentary film festival and there's a bit of overlap as well with perth revelation film festival kicking off couched uh midway through july 2 that's not very far away at all and head over to Facebook, follow us there, the Curb AU, and Twitter as well, same handle. Uh, you can go the extra step as well if you'd like, patreon.com forward slash the Curb AU. As little as a dollar a month helps keep the website going and active. And if you join up at the $3 entry, then you get to hear unedited versions of the interviews and podcasts that I do. Ah, look. I hope that you're all staying well. I hope that you're all staying safe. It is currently raining outside my window right today and I have a dog snoring on the couch and it's quite a peaceful day. And look, today is the kind of day that I would love to sit down and watch a film like Keyboard Fantasy to make me feel at ease and and feel warm, like a warm hug. And uh, that's what today feels like and I hope you're having a similar kind of day in your neck of the woods. And if you are, then great. Have a nice tea or a cup of coffee and hug the person you love, or maybe your dog or your cat. Something that's lovely and makes you feel good. Uh, we all need that in our lives, and we all need to be kind to ourselves. And I think that that is something that we often forget. And I hope that you are kind to yourself, because, yeah, things are tough. And, yeah, got to look out for each other. And you're number one, too. So be kind to yourself, be kind to each other, and look after each other. Love you all. I'll see you in the next episode.
Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.